You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Oh, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Today has been announced as National Day of Prayer. So let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for today, for a new day that you have ordained, and thank you for the opportunity to be here, gather together as people of God, pray and worship you. Lord, thank you for your good and your great. Whatever is happening in our lives and in the world today, Lord, you have conquered the grave, and this is what matters to us as believers. We come to you, we draw close to you, and we ask that you would guide us during this time, that you would conquer coronavirus and our fears, and that we may be the people of hope who spread hope and who point to the light for others. Lord, we also pray for Life Choice Pregnancy Center, which is a ministry that we are supporting. Thank you that we have it in Cheyenne. Thank you that this can be a ministry that helps women make the choice to preserve life Thank you for all the diagnostic and counseling and treatment opportunities that are there. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless and guide um, this ministry in our town. Lord, please uh, bless Pastor Keith as he concludes the sermon series today. And may we have the ears to hear you and also the desire to do your will. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. In a minute, I'm going to have uh, Shauna come up, and she's actually, we're changing things up a little bit, uh, because at the end of the message, I have a video that I put together uh, that uh, actually Seth helped me with. You'll you'll hear him in the video, uh, which will kind of wrap up things. But just just, uh, two things, well, I don't know, maybe more than two things, Um, a few things. One, ushers can come forward. You can take the morning's offering. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable touching the bag or whatever, then you know, there's a box back there. Uh, you, can, you can do that. Uh, how many of you have run out of toilet paper? Just, just a show of hands. And maybe you're afraid to show, show your hand. <laughs> uh, we actually have extra toilet paper. Uh, the church does. Not, not the Millers, but the church. And so, we, I actually, I'm serious. Dan and myself, we actually grabbed a bunch of them, and we have a stack of to- rolls of toilet paper in Mika's office, uh, which is right before the exit when you leave when you leave the building. If I'm serious, if you've run out of toilet paper and you can't find any, uh, just take a couple of rolls. Okay? We thought maybe it would be a great fundraiser for the church, just sell <laughs> sell them. But on eBay, I don't know what rolls of toilet paper are going for on eBay right now, but. All uh, kidding aside, it's actually quite serious, um, which I'll talk about in a minute uh, after, when, after Shauna shares her story. But the other thing is next week, this is, this is important, next week uh, we are going to do a live stream for our worship service. 
in place of gathering. And the reason being is not, not just because of the coronavirus. There's a lot of crud going around. There's strep uh, that's hit our church family. There's strep has hit our church family. Uh, numerous people with, with uh, flu. Uh, as I speak right now, uh, you know, they, the InterVarsity was supposed to do their retreat uh, for, for like, we had 26 students uh, at LCCC that was, they were all registered, my son included, and that was canceled. Uh, Melissa put together kind of a plan B where they were going to meet here and they were going to do Bible study and, and do some fun stuff. Melissa was puking up her guts last night. And so she's sick with some kind of, some kind of bug. So, so I think there's some, I, I feel like there's great wisdom in just taking a step back and uh, letting people just kind of not bring their germs, you know, into one building. Uh, and we're going to do a live stream next week. Uh, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll gather, again, uh, gather together in two weeks, uh, but we're going to play it by ear. If you have not signed up for the e-letter, you need to do that. So there's a card in front of you. Fill, put your email address on that card because that's one way that we're going to update uh, our church family. The other thing that we're going to do is sometime, probably in the middle of the week, we have a new video camera that we're, that's going to be installed. Sometime in the middle of the week, we're going to uh, do a live, like a live update or video update where I'm going to share with you uh, working plans. Right now, our working plans, a plan of action for us to love our neighbors. Um, because the, the reality is, is that the reason why aisles are cleared of all toilet paper is because people are afraid. And so we, we have an opportunity as the church of Jesus Christ to shine for the glory of God and for the good of our neighbors. And so, so we're, we're working on just the response, a way to respond uh, to, for, to our neighbors, especially those who are vulnerable, not just to the, to the coronavirus, but to the flu. And, and so for folks who can't get out, we're going to figure out a way for us, we're going to form a team for our, for, to, to, to respond to people who are in need. And, um, and then the other thing, which I'll, I'll have more details about, I want to put together a, a team to just maybe in a week or so just do a complete wipe down of the entire building. We have a custodian who does that, but I think it would just be good if we just just put our, arm, our, our heads together and our, our, just show up and just wipe down everything. So that, those are some things that are, that are happening. And then the elders will be, I think we're meeting, we're meeting tomorrow, right? Yeah, so the elders will be meeting. I'm pointing to our, our head elder. Uh, Jerry, raise your hand. He's, he's one of our elders. Say hello to Jerry. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're, gonna, we're, we're working on a response because we want to love our neighbors in a way that's tangible uh, because that's what the church is called to do too. So Shauna, you can come up. And um, is this okay? Can you get around that? Okay. Nope, you can sit there. Uh, so I asked, uh, I, I asked Shauna a while back if she could share her story kind of in the same way that we've had others share their story in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, just <laughs> she does public speaking for, like that's one, of her, that's one of her jams, like she does that. And uh, typically she shares her story within an hour. I asked her to do it in 10 minutes, um, so, which is hard to do. Oh, yeah, you'll need that. So, so she's going to do that. But I felt that Shauna's story really wraps up 
everything that we've been trying to say in the sermon, that I've been trying to say in the sermon series, just uh, identity and what does it mean to be uh, fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And so, so Sean, I'm going to just let you start and share, and then, I, then I'll pick up after she shares and we'll look into the scriptures. Good. I asked Keith to keep me uh, on target for time, so hopefully I can do that. But I know some of you uh, have heard my story when I've shared here before at women's events, and um, I told Keith that I was very honored when he asked me to share because I felt like from the time I was young that the Lord told me he wanted me to share my story to bring hope and healing to others. And so I hope that's what my story will, will bring today. So um, as some of you know, some of you may not know, I was born with the most severe form of spina bifida. And spina bifida is actually the most common permanently disabling birth defect. And when I was born, clear back in the ice ages in the 70s, <laughs> the doctors didn't know what they know today. And so when I was born, um, Actually, with, with my spina bifida, I, uh, my spine had a hole in it, thankfully in my, the lower part of my spine, and the nerves of my spine were protruding from that hole, and there was a sac around it. And so the doctors told my parents when I was born, they said, you need to take her to the nearest large hospital, and I had to get surgery. And the doctor at that time, he told my parents he didn't know if I was going to live. And he said, if she does live, I don't know if she's ever going to walk. And so my parents at that time were not Christians, but in getting that news, they did the only thing they knew to do, and they went to the chapel of the hospital that I was in, and they gave my life to God. And I absolutely believe that is why I'm here today. Um, we were all later saved. At around um, I was around the age of six, and my whole family got saved. And, but also, right after I had surgery to close the hole in my spine, uh, I started to, develop, started to develop water on the brain, which is very common with spina bifida. And so the doctors told my parents, they said, bring her home. There's not anything we can do right now. Bring her back in two weeks. And in two weeks' time, they fully expected me to have to have a shunt to put in my head to drain the fluid. And the doctors told my parents, he said, I have to warn you, if she needs a shunt, they're, this is the doctor's words, he said, they are pure hell. And because they get infected, they have to be changed. There's all kinds of problems. And so again, at this time, my parents were still not Christians. And my mom brought me home and laid her hand on my bulging soft spot every day for two weeks and prayed. And they brought me back two weeks later. And the doctor said it was a miracle that I am actually in the 5% of people born with spina bifida that doesn't have a shunt in my head. So praise God. God was, <laughs> God is, it was healing and working from, you know, the, this is so, what I think is so amazing is, is Keith's sermon is, is really about um, Psalm 139 and us being knit together in our mother's womb. And with me, with spina bifida, it actually begins in the mother's womb. It begins in the first trimester of pregnancy. And so I think what is so amazing is even though I was being made in my mother's womb in a birth defect was being formed, what is so awesome is that God's truth about who I am didn't change. I'm still fearfully and wonderfully made. I was still knit together in my mother's womb. And so growing up, um, my mom said the best, best advice they ever got was from the doctor who delivered me, and he told them to not treat me any different than they did their other kids. And he said he'd seen so many parents disable their kids by the way they treated them. And so he said, if your other kids have chores, 
she has chores. If your other kids have extracurricular activities, she has them. And so I didn't grow up with the mindset of being different because my parents raised me to be the same as my brothers. And um, so even though before I went to kindergarten, I have braces and casts and all this kind of stuff that my brothers didn't, I still didn't have a concept of being different. But when I went to kindergarten, I actually had surgery right before then on both of my legs and feet, and I had casts on my legs and feet, and so I was in a wheelchair. And I remember going to kindergarten, and all of us were in a gymnasium for the first day of school, and I looked around, and I realized I was the only child in the whole school in a wheelchair. And so I came home and asked my parents, why was I the only child in a wheelchair? And my parents went on to explain to me what spina bifida was and how it was going to affect me. And then they told me the most empowering wisdom I've ever been given. My dad said, Shauna, he said, you can choose to be a victim of spina bifida for the rest of your life, or you can choose to believe that God created you for a reason, and there's a plan for your life, and you're going to live that life to the fullest. And I remember going in and laying on my bed and just having this heart-to-heart -heart with God, telling him that I knew I was created for a purpose, that he created me for a reason, and I wasn't going to let spina bifida stop me. And I think um, through college, even the Lord showed me that, that our circumstances don't define us, and our natural circumstances will not ever change who the Lord says we are. Spina bifida, even though according to the world, is a defect, according to the Lord, I'm not defective. I'm not crippled. I'm not broken. I'm not, I am not defective. I am created in his likeness and image. And so many times I think we attach to ourselves identities that the world would give us. But I think when we do that, we separate ourselves from the Lord, and we can hinder ourselves and hinder our abilities. Because if I had the mentality that I'm defective, I'm less than, I'm broken, I can't imagine where I would be today. I probably wouldn't even be alive. But thank the Lord, through my parents and being raised in a Christian home, I grew up on the Word, reading the Word, and I grew up knowing that the Lord said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so my encouragement today is, is if you find yourself saying, I am, I am what? Or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm rich, I'm poor, I'm sick, I'm whatever. My encouragement and my challenge to you today is to go to the word and see what the word says about who you are and write down those truths. And even writing down, I think right now, in this world of fear and the coronavirus, knowing who the Lord says he is. Because he's not surprised by the coronavirus. He's not scared of it. He is still on the throne. He is still God. He is still sovereign over all of it. And I think remembering who we are in him, but who he is in us, and knowing that there are no natural circumstances in the earth that can change that, that we are still who he says he is, and he still is who he says he is is a good encouragement for today. I'm trying to wrap this up fast. <laughs> and I do want to say, this is my husband, Lauren Hamburger, and I love, when I was a teenager, I wondered, you know, would I ever meet a man who could love me for me and look past my physical circumstances? And I met Lauren, and he, he reminds me every day what it is to be unconditionally loved by the Lord because he does not see me as anything but beautiful and all the wonderful things that he sees me. So I... Yes, yes. So, okay, I made that fast, huh? No, you did, you did good. You did really good. Uh, you have a table out in, the, in the, out in the foyer, and can you tell us a little bit about what's on the table? Yes, yes. Um, I felt like quite a few years ago that the Lord laid it on my heart that he wanted me to write a book to share my story to encourage other people. And so right after Lauren and I were married, I um, 
God just said it was time, time to write a book. And so I did. I wrote a book on um, how the Lord has helped me overcome living with a permanent disability. And it's like what Keith and I were talking about this week. It's something, you know, spina bifida is something I do experience every single day. It doesn't go away, but it does not define or control me or dictate to me who I am because I am still who the Lord says I am, even in these natural circumstances. And so, yes, my book is out there, and in the back of it is a CD of my younger brother. He passed away in 2008, and he wanted to be a motivational speaker. And so I um, took his best audios that he'd collected and put them in the back of my book to honor him. So. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Sean is one of the happiest people I think I've ever met. Um, <laughs> and so we, we, uh, we connected... Right, right, I think actually when I was candidating, yes. and then and then after that, we. She also really makes great desserts, by the way. I'm just <laughs> I'm just putting a plug in. Like, that's my love language. Aww. I think we've been over your house like two or three times. So pretty awesome. Just let, letting you know. Um, but but yeah, I just again I just really believe that your story. Uh, sums up what Psalm 139 is really saying, that, that regardless of this earth suit, you know, this, it's breaking down, it is, you know, like you said, you wake up every day with spina bifida, you, 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 there are days that are harder than other days, but it doesn't define who you are in terms of being fearfully and wonderfully made in God's, in God's eyes. And so I would encourage you after the service, uh, take a look at her book. I think, well, what are they, $7? Yeah, so, which is really cheap. So <laughs> if you have $7, uh, make sure you get a copy and then and just you know, take some time to hear more of her story because there's a lot more to it than, than 10 <laughs> minutes. I felt guilty just saying, oh, you only have 10 minutes to talk. Um, but, but you did great. That's all good. Thank so, you. Thank you, Shana. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, awesome. One thing the uh, my new table doesn't do it doesn't shrink. Um, so good morning to you all. I'm I'm glad. Uh, actually, more of you came than I thought would come. Uh, I went to every place I went yesterday. I asked, so how's it been today? You know, so we went to Panera Bread. I asked them, so so how's it been? Like dead? I'm like, yeah, I kind of expected that. And then we and then we've got pizza, and I asked them, you know, have you how's it, how have things been going today? And they said it's been really busy. I'm like, really, you had people in your restaurant? And they said, no, we have a lot of takeouts. And so I'm like, okay, so makes sense. It'll be interesting to see what what our Sunday gathering will look like. Uh, and for those of you who are joining us on live stream, I'm I'm so glad that you're able to do that. Uh, and so um, we're going to be looking at. A number of passages in the Bible, so I'm not going to really camp on one particular passage. I just felt that Romans chapter 11 summed up everything that uh, that I wanted to say today. And so uh, you can, if you'd like, you can you know have your Bible open to Psalm 139 or Romans chapter 11. I will be definitely referencing uh, them. And the other thing I forgot to mention about the whole you know precautions that we're taking. Uh, we're doing elbow bumps, so <laughs> instead of handshakes, elbow bumps. I don't want to freak out anybody. I went to shake somebody's hand the other day, and I got their sleeve. Um, 
because that's just my, that's my, like, I, I just, by habit, I shake people's hands. So, elbow bumps, and we can have fun with that. So, all right, uh, <laughs> I'm going to pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that you are a God who is sovereign and that you love us and you call us your own, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in your image and that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can separate us from your love that, uh, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's in his name we pray, amen. And we're experiencing something, I was thinking about the coronavirus thing, we're experiencing something that we haven't, I feel like we've not experienced since 9-11. And, and that is the shutting down of our nation, like the shutting down of institutions and businesses. And, and, and so uh, just, just haven't really experienced that. I had a picture of uh, toilet paper rolls on the, or uh, if you can go back to that, that'll be awesome. Um, I was, I said this, I think I said this either in my e-letter, I know I said it in the live stream, I think I said it in the live stream on, that I did on Friday. Uh, I, I was kind of convicted over some of the jokes I've made uh, about, about uh, the hoarding of toilet paper because it dawned on me. I woke up Friday morning, and it dawned on me, you know what, people are afraid. And we, uh, the church, those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have the, uh, the greatest news. Like, we're heralds of the greatest news in the universe I mean, the gospel is good news. It's good news uh, because not only, as you know, did Jesus die for our sins, and after living the life we can never live, but he, he rose on the third day. And by rising on the third day, he conquered death. And then as a result of placing our faith and trust in him and believing in that, the Bible says we're reconciled to the God of all creation, who not only made us in his image, but he is the God who governs. He doesn't take vacations. He doesn't, he, he, he doesn't uh, take naps. And, and this, by, by all means, is uh, no surprise to him that he is a God who is in control. And over, throughout history, God has used uh, pestilence. He has used uh, uh, just tsunamis and, and other things that have happened throughout history. He has used those things as a way for his people to shine for him and for the good of those who suffer. And so we, we have that opportunity today uh, to be able to shine for the glory of God and for the good of those you know, who, who we call our, our neighbors. Uh, people are afraid, and the church has a message, and that message is that there is one who conquered death, right? Amen? I think that is the reason why people are afraid. They're afraid not about getting a fever. They're not fearful over a, of a fever. We've all had fevers. They're not fearful over... In fact, most people are not even afraid of the flu. I mean, like, there, there's, I, I think, about 13,000 people in the United States this year alone have died because of the flu. So people aren't even really afraid of that. They're afraid of death. They're afraid of death. And they're afraid of this. It is a super virus um, where it is, scientists and doctors have said that you can, if you have the virus and you sneeze on a table, that virus kind of hangs out for a week and just waiting, waiting to find another happy home, you know, in somebody. And so it is scary on that level. 
but, uh, but the gospel is that Christ died for our sins according with the, uh, with, with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where at the beginning of it, Paul just tells us what the gospel is. Later on in verses 54 and 57, or through 57, uh, we're told this, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus conquered death. And by conquering death, what really, what, what harm could really befall you? You know, I mean, think about it. When Paul was under house arrest uh, and, and he wrote Philippians, he wrote Philippians while chained to guards, right? And he said, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with my life. And that's the reality for us all. We live in America. It's very prosperous. And, and the thing that the, that's uh, causing, uh, causing this panic nationwide is, is we are realizing we are realizing that even with our affluence, uh, there's not a whole lot we can do uh, to, to, to fight death, right? Like we are frail and fragile people, but Jesus conquered the grave. He conquered the grave. And those who believe in Christ, uh, that he died for our sins and defeated death by raising from the grave, we believing and believing in that we are called we are made children of God. I, I love First John chapter three verse one. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. Literally, it's behold, stand up, take notice, be blown away by this. In fact, the Bible tells us angels stand on their on you know they they they. they Marvel, and they stand on tiptoe. You know, they they marvel over this redemption that that we creatures, who are the only creature in in the entire universe that are in rebellion against the God of all creation, that God has made redemption available to us. Uh, the angels stand and uh, they just marvel over that because there are a group of angels that did rebel against God, and and there was no redemption for them. So here. Two things that I just want to think through this morning with you as I draw this sermon to a close. And uh, the first is this, is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. That, that is the point of Psalm 139, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the, in the image of God. Uh, David drew two conclusions when he wrote uh, Psalm 139. There are two conclusions that he... Um, came up with, and that is, or that he, he, he reconciled himself to regarding who God is, and that is God is who he is, and there's nothing that he could do about it. That's reality. God is who he is, and there's not one thing that we could do about it. He is sovereign. He is complete. He is full. He is perfect in every way. And then the second thing that David came to terms with is that uh, he was who he was because of who God is which is the reality for us is I am who I am because of who God is. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, our sin and all that stuff or, 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 or our fractured selves when it comes to the, what sin has done, what the curse of sin has done to us. I'm talking about being fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. I am who I am because of who God is. And the world may hear this, and when it, and the world hears it, it, it sounds to the world as bad news, that God is who he is, and there's nothing that we can do about it, but it's not bad news, it's great news. 
It's really good news, especially, especially in, a, in a time of, of pandemics. It is good news. According to Psalm 139, God is uh, a number of things. He is all-knowing, right? He is all-present, and he is all-powerful. His power is displayed in the knitting and forming together of humans, human beings like you and like me in our mother's womb who are fearfully and wonderfully made and bear his image. His power, his power is displayed in that. That God is, in, in being those things, and being all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, he is a God without limits. Did you hear that? Like, he's a God without limits. There are no limitations regarding our God, for our God. That's why Paul wrote what he wrote in Romans 11, and I'll just read it again for you. Uh, and actually, let's read this together. This is a good reminder for us. Ready? For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Right? Amen. Like, that's who God is. He has no limits. And because he has no limits, listen, he is sufficient. Like, these are theological terms that are true about God, and they, and they matter Monday. Like, tomorrow, who knows what we're going to wake up to regarding the news. I mean, literally, within a day or two, the corona case, coronavirus cases in Colorado doubled. And, we, and within a day, we had two more in Wyoming. And, uh, and, and, and so who knows what's going to happen. But here's one thing that you can know for sure. God doesn't change. He is sufficient. He is sufficient. And he lacks nothing. He is, he, he's not fickle. He does not get frustrated, frustrated. And listen, ready? He never, ever has a bad day. He never has a bad day. Because if he did, then that means he, would, he could get frustrated. If he could get frustrated, then he's not in control. We get frustrated because we're not in control. How many of you are frustrated when you weren't looking for toilet paper? That was a good reminder. I'm not in control. I, that was the last thing I expected to not be available uh, with a pandemic. I thought maybe water, maybe canned food, or, you know, that kind of stuff. But toilet paper? And it was funny, uh, because, like, toilet paper is gone, but, but on the complete opposite side of the aisle was hordes of paper towels. And I thought, well, if things got really bad, I'll just buy paper towels. Um, he, he, he is sufficient. God is sufficient. And the, the manuscript will be available online. So you, I have verse references all over here in my manuscript, and, and you can look those up. But, but this is what the Bible teaches. He does not have bad days. And if you're doubting that, just look up James chapter 1, verse 17. Check it out. And because God does not change we can be sure that he is perfectly and fully, listen, righteous, loving, and good. You know, like, even when our world is turned upside down, he is good. There's a purpose and design behind everything that we see. Now, yeah, we live under a curse, and, be, and, there is, and because we live under a curse, we have pandemics, we have tsunamis, we have tornadoes that literally level towns and, 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 and communities. Those things happen. But, 
But don't think for a minute that God is not sovereign over those things. The Bible specifically says he controls the whirlwind, right? And, and there's a purpose and design behind it. And when we stand back and we're, 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 we're just, our world is rocked because of what's happening in our world and, and in our nation and, and in our state, we can step back and say, okay, I don't completely understand this. I can't wrap my mind around this. But here's what I do know. God, you are righteous. You are, you, you're in control. You are loving. And you are good. You're good, you're good, and I'm not. That's why Je when Jesus was asked by the disciples, hey, you know that tower that fell on a bunch of people? You know, what, what, why? Why did that happen? And Jesus said basically, I'm paraphrasing here, he said, you're asking the wrong question. The question you should be asking is, why didn't the tower fall on you? That's the question you should be asking. You know, if God was fair, I've said this, he'd, we'd all be in hell a long time ago. And praise God, he is not fair. You know why? I know that because he's a God of mercy. Next time you get pulled over, just use that. <laughs> like I, I know what's fair is that I get a ticket, but have you heard of mercy? <laughs> You'll still get a ticket. He is sufficient. He is not lacking in anything. All of his acts, listen, all of his acts, all that God does flow out of who he is as a God that is all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, all-sufficient, all-righteous, and, and all-loving, and completely and perfectly and fully good. And when God created all things, he said at the end of each day, what? It is good. And then when he made Adam out of the dust of the earth and he formed Eve from his side, what did he say? It is really good. It is really good. Adam and Eve's purpose and identity as human beings were threefold, to worship their creator, to fill the earth, the earth with humans like themselves, and to manage the earth that God created. I think included in that is loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor. And unlike the offspring of the animal kingdom, from the moment of conception, human beings, and we share all this, we share this in common, every single one of us, were fearfully and wonderfully made. That's why I've said this, and I'll say it until, uh, until I'm blue in the face. That's why, that's why abortion is evil. Um, because from the moment of conception... There is a human being fearfully and wonderfully being made in the image of God, knitted together, being knit together in the mother's womb. And it is good. Like It is good, regardless of what happens, regardless if you're born with spina bifida or, or whatever it is, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. That means that each and every single one of us in this room has value and worth. We have value and worth. And, and, and so do our neighbors. Like, within the church, our res and, and how we respond to the world should be, uh, should be motivated and infused with love and charity. And in the church, the last thing that ought to divide us is politics and, and what's going on in our nation or, or in our state. Jesus said, you will be known by the love that you have for one another. That is the most powerful apologetic that the world can see. 
And the other thing is, is the most tangible, the most tangible uh, evidence that the gospel is real is, is, is how we love our neighbors. Now, that's not all that they need. They need to hear the gospel. But here, here's, I was thinking about this the other day. Just with the resurrection of Jesus validates everything that he claimed and said and promised uh, uh, that would happen and will happen. The resurrection validates that. Our, the way we live our lives validates, validates the gospel's uh, influence in, in our lives. Did you know that? And the world needs to see that and they need to, they need to experience that. As creatures who, are, who bear the image of God, our identity is found not in a physical romance, but a divine romance. Let that settle on your heart for a moment. We are made for a relationship with the God of all creation. That's where our identity is found. That's where joy and, 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 and satisfaction uh, is ultimately found, is in a relationship in God that's only possible through uh, faith in what Jesus did in our place and that he rose from the grave. Our joy is sustained in the reality of who we are as human beings whose purpose is rooted in knowing God as the people of God for the glory of God in a world that is antagonistic towards God. If you didn't get that, just read the manuscript sometime. Um, that, that's where our, our, our joy is sustained in the reality of who we are as image bearers of the living God who have been and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm probably speaking for most of us, if not all of us in this room, who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We've been reconciled to that God. And, and when, when despondency and depression and gloom and sadness come, and it does. I mean, I was sad driving here this morning. I, 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 I have a new name for the fog in Wyoming. The <laughs> The uh, frost fog from hell. I mean, that's, I'm not sure what I hate more, the fog or, or the 30-mile-an-hour winds. Um, but, but I'm like, I can't see 10 feet in front of me. I feel like I'm going to be doing figure eights all the way to the church. Um, but even, even in the midst of, our, uh, of grief and sadness and sorrow, which does, it does come, that we can find our joy in God, and, and we have a responsibility to one another. I said this, a while, I think the second or third sermon in the series, that, uh, that we should seek ways to outdo one another in love and good deeds. That's how we encourage one another. That's, Hebrews chapter 10 says, you know, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You, you know, the, the, your church family, you know, people in your church family need to hear from you. You, you need to go up to you know, your brother or sister in Christ and just encourage them. And when you leave here, maybe you should go up to somebody you don't know that, that, that comes to Meadowbrook, that's here, and just ask that person, how can you pray for, for him or her? You know, we have a fellow in the church who comes on our first service who was just diagnosed with throat cancer, stage 3 throat cancer, and it's very treatable, but it's localized, and, um, and he is, he, he's got to go through chemo and, and, and radiation, uh, and, and life's going to kind of suck for him for a while uh, as he receives that treatment. We as a church should just love on him in, in any way that we possibly can. 
as creatures who bear the image of God when your suffering seems to rob you of what you had or what you want. Remember, I, uh, uh, one lady uh, said that defined suffering as uh, uh, not having what you want and, and, and uh, was that not, not having what you want and having what you don't want. Thank you. Because I didn't write it in my manuscript or my outline. Thank you. Um, that's, that even when we experience that, we can know that there's a God who is sufficient. And, and when we experience loss, when we experience loss, we can know that there's a God who will sustain us through that loss. Whether it's the death of a family member or disease or whatever it is, Habakkuk, I love the way Habakkuk ends his, his little letter or his little book. You know, the sovereign covenant-keeping God. I paraphrase that because literally that's what the Hebrew means. The sovereign covenant-keeping God is my strength. He makes my feet like the, uh, like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the high places. You want to know something right now? There are a lot of people who feel like they're standing on, 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 on ground that's not very stable. Like they feel like the ground is just going to slip from underneath of them and, and, and they're going to get this virus and, and, and life is going to, you know, just, just change as, as they know it. But the Bible tells us that even when things like that come up, that there's a God who, who sets us on firm ground. And you know what that firm ground is? It is the sovereign God who loves you and keeps his promises. That's, that's, the, that's the solid ground. As creatures who are fearfully and wonderfully made, you are not a fragmented person whose identity is found in who you are attracted to or what you can contribute to society, but you are, you are made in the image of God. Your soul, that is your person, you know, that, that's what goes to be in the presence of God when you breathe your last breath, but as I said last week, that's not the end. That's not the end. There's a promise of a resurrection. And why is there a promise of a resurrection? Because we, as image bearers of God, were meant to live and, and, and thrive in physical bodies that do not grow old, do not break down, do, cannot be touched by sin. That's the, way we were, that's the way humans were meant to thrive and to live. But because of, the sin, that's, because of sin, that's not so. But there's coming a day where we're promised a resurrection. And I know that day is coming. Why? Because Jesus rose from the grave. Amen? And, uh, and so when disease comes our way, we can, we can respond to disease and know, this might, this might touch me, this might affect me, this might even, this might even take my life. But even if it does, what have I really lost? Jesus said to his disciples, he said, some of you, they may kill, talking about persecution, but not a hair on your head will perish. Well, what did he mean by that? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what he meant by that. And I'm, uh, I'm out of time, but I, I need to wrap some things up. So second point, what, this is the so what. This is the so what of you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And that is you are reverently and extraordinarily set apart for the glory of God and the good of the world. You, I mean, let that settle in your heart for a little bit. That if you are a Christian, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you have a part of your purpose. It goes back to the original purpose of Adam and Eve, and that is, that is to worship God, to know Him, and and that's been made available to you through being reconciled to Him through Jesus. 
and to, and to make disciples of all nations by telling them about the gospel and to loving your neighbors, you know, loving your neighbors as the expression of your faith. Like, we, we exist for that here, not, not for four walls and a roof. We exist for mission, and that mission is that there is, a, there is a city outside these walls that is afraid and petrified, and they need to hear the gospel, and they also need to be served. They need to be served with love and grace in tangible ways. That's what the gospel you know, calls us to do. If you're a Christian, your identity has been ransomed, your identity has been redeemed, your identity has been renewed through the God who became perfect humanity in and through Jesus. I was, as I was writing the conclusion of my sermon and my manuscript, I was thinking of um, nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, that, 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 you're familiar with that. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me, I love this line, whole again, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Glory, glory, this I sing, nothing but the blood of Christ. All my praise of this I bring, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I just, I just was kind of in a writing mood, and I thought of these words and just put them down. To the cross I proudly cling. All all my neighbors to Christ I bring. Of the Savior I boldly sing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And who are we? You know, when we were far from God, God pursued us. When we were dead in our sins, God made us whole and alive in Jesus. When, when we followed the ethics of this world, Jesus came in, uh, to us and called us to follow his ethics, kingdom ethics, which means going, even when it's dangerous, and serving your neighbors and loving on them. When we were uh, destined for hell, God purchased our forgiveness by putting his son on a cross and raising him on the third day. And when we were blind, God made us see. And when we were in darkness, God brought us to the light. That's who we are. That's who we are. And, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are reverently and extraordinarily set apart for God's kingdom purposes in this world. And, and, and how you live your life, how you live your life matters. What you do with your body matters. You know that, right? As one who bears the image of God, do you know what you're doing? In this world, you are making a statement about who God is. And the question I want to leave you with is, what statement are you making? What statement are you making? I'm going um, to show you a video I put together yesterday, <laughs> and uh, Seth helped me. But I, I want these words to just, because we're going to sing a song at the end. I know we're over time, but it's okay. Um, you are no longer a slave to fear because you are a child of God. You know that, right? even when there's no toilet paper to be found. Uh, and if you look around, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Guess what? We need to have each other's backs, right? And, uh, and by the way, uh, pastors do not have, uh, they're not clairvoyant, right? They, they, they don't know everything that's going on. If there's something happening in your life, something's going on, you need to let us know. Call the church office, let us know. And uh, let us serve you as not just the staff, but other people in the church who really want to serve you. I'm going to show you this video. It's three minutes long, and then we're going to conclude uh, with, a, with, with a song.
Hi, my name is Colleen. I am single and I've experienced loneliness. Hi, my name is BJ. I am a survivor of suicide loss. My name is Nathan Miller and I suffer from a neurological debilitating sleep disorder called narcolepsy. Hi, I'm Renee and I've experienced loss. Hi, my name's Robin and I am an ex-lesbian, ex-atheist healed by the power of Jesus Christ our Lord. My name is Brady Cohn. I've spent my lifetime struggling with same-sex attraction and identity issues. Hi, my name is Shauna Bruce Hamburger and I was born with the most severe form of spina bifida, which is a permanent disability, but I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make the bed in depths, you are there. If I rise on the wing of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My fame was not hidden from you. I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained me for me when were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Where I count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I've spent my life struggling with same-sex attraction and identity issues, but I know that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.